0: It's like I told Win after the first two years. You hired me for what's about to come. Because what's
1: about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character.
0: I don't know if I could follow
1: that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete,
0: nobody's looking <laughs> at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop Fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does.
1: Why did I pick Pete to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm a moron.
0: Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I
1: want to know what you're drinking,
0: Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out What's the percent on that? Ben? 11.
1: It smells like
0: you're drinking like... Cleaning solution we're gonna put this old guy in a grave the end has already been written we just got to go through the hard part to get there and i mow the lawn after work before the podcast
1: welcome to too deep Hokies under the influence brought to you by downtown crown wine and beer and dominion wine and beer my name is pete berthod and my co-host is robbie dowling virginia tech beat unc 17 to 10 robbie we've got the upset we've been waiting for how you feeling man
0: I love it. One of the bold predictions uh has already come true. Another <laughs> one is tra- two more are probably tracking. I think the defense is probably tracking to uh to to get and then yours with so, uh, yeah. Barno is probably in in good shape as well. So, I mean, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, man. Give us a cheers.
0: I got to give a cheers to uh Justin Hamilton and that defensive performance. So after that bad or horrific 2020 uh, performance by the defense and then this game that uh, Justin Hamilton and uh, the defense overall came up and showed out against a at least what was expected to be. We'll see what happens over the course of the the season. A very high powered offense uh, and Sam Howell and I think we safe to say shut them down. Nearly completely. Uh, It was a dominant performance. So a big cheers to that side of the ball and Justin Hamilton.
1: Cheers. Yeah, that was a phenomenal game. Phenomenal performance by that defense. And I do think that that performance will age well. But that's something we'll get into in a minute. We are ranked, Robbie. The AP poll came out today. And preseason, I... What did we get, like, no votes for the first time in in a long time? Mm -hmm. And now we're ranked number 19. It wasn't a good weekend for the ACC overall, mainly because of what we did, but also because of Alabama and because of Georgia and what they did to Clemson. But there are four teams ranked now, because UNC did stay in there at 24. Clemson dropped to 6, and Miami dropped from 14 to 22, which... It's a little unfair when you play Bama, but they really didn't look good.
0: No, they did not have a good performance. And Alabama did what they always seem to do in those kickoff games that we all, including ourselves, sign up for. And I'm not really (laughs) sure why we all, as uh, college football programs not named Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or Georgia, sign up to be bludgeoned by Alabama in week one, year in and year out
1: if you go back to 2009 when we played them and then we played them again in 2013, and that was after, you know, we fell off a little bit. We put up two of the better performances against Alabama than any teams have done in in the last 12 years Mm -hmm. uh, in those opening games. And in 2009, we entered the fourth quarter winning. And I know that's a very long time ago, and Tyrod is on the team, but we were winning the game entering the fourth quarter in 2009. Yep. Yeah, brutal. And I think, didn't we like outgain them in 2013? It was very close. They, yeah. they had those special teams plays that yeah, they came up but huge, but
0: I think we yes. would have won, but they had that. They might have had like a punt return or touchdown and then an interception or a fumble return for a touchdown or something along those lines, but it was fluky. Otherwise, I think we actually, it was close enough that it would have been a close, like we would have maybe won the game. I'll have to go back and look at the score.
1: Yeah, but these days no, I don't want to play Bama. In no. <laughs> week 1, we would we would succumb to the same fate as as a lot of other teams have more recently, but we have played them good in the past. Uh we moved up to 30 in the Sagarin ratings, we moved up to 33 in the Massey composite, and in the SP+, we moved up to 24 from 33. UNC is actually still ahead of us but just barely at 22. Um And just to put it out there, West Virginia is at 65 in the SB+. So Hmm. right now, if that was an accurate predictor, we would be looking good, even going to Morgantown. But it's nice. Rankings, they they are what they are, but the recognition and the perception and the way that game looked on TV and the performance is really what we should take away and what those rankings represent.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree because... There's two ways to look at this game. Let's take a look at the Clemson-Georgia game as a counter to our game. 17-10 in our game. They finished, what was it, 10-3? to A lot of the narrative was, yeah, Clemson's just not as good and Tech had a good night. That was some of what I heard, but at least enough people watched to see that we probably should have scored well more than just the 17 points. So it didn't... It, it it we left probably two touchdowns off the board to to make it look like a little bit more mm-hmm. of an exciting game than just a a seventeen ten snooze fest with you know two not so great teams.
1: I also think that scoring early and having the lead changes the perception of how that game played out. Because if you look at the Wisconsin Penn State game, that game was zero zero for a while. I I know Joe made fun of it and a lot of people were thinking like this is typical Big Ten like you know can't score any points. But if you had flipped when our points were scored and you did the first half instead of the second half and flipped them back and forth, like that's how our game would have looked. They they both basically ended with the same score and the lulls were at just a different times. And the atmosphere at both Camp Randall and at Tech got a lot of attention. And it's so nice to see Lane get that attention and for it to be so imposing people that went to the game said it was deafening. I think Pat Finn from Sons of Saturday said it was the loudest game in a decade, in his opinion. I know he goes to a lot of games. So it was just so nice to have fans back in the stands. It, and it was such a great reminder of, of what we missed last
0: year. i add to that. I can't remember, and I'm not going to do um, proper recognition of who posted this. It was one of the media uh, guys posted to a scout that was at the game uh, watching people and said, You at the game? And he said, yeah. He said, what's it like? He said, atmosphere's crazy. Probably the best I've ever been to. Now, that's a scout. So that's somebody going (laughs) around to to multiple games. That said, maybe he's a young scout, and last year was COVID (laughs) year. But either way, he said, uh, probably the best I've ever been to. And that's a guy that literally has no allegiance other than showing up to games and evaluating players for the NFL. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I thought... Either, even though I'm not a big fan of orange uniforms, I thought they looked great. They really popped on screen. The crowd being an all-orange added to it all. And just such a great visual experience, other than maybe the, the cameras that ESPN used not being the clearest I've ever seen. But uh, it was just so fun to see our, see our stadium lit up like that on a primetime game to start off the season.
0: I did, I did see some pictures. Did you notice this on social media some of the camera angles and some of the pictures where the light was shining a little bit different on the uniforms and it was almost giving the vols color like the tennessee color, the yeah. very like a lot lighter orange than mm-hmm. it, i in one of the replays that i saw the camera ang- i don't couldn't tell if it was the camera being bad to your point or what it was i looked at it I i watched the replay three times and i thought it was a replay of the tennessee game i had i had no clue it was virginia tech it was that far off colored but i don't know if that was the cameras or the lighting or what else going on there
1: well i will say i think our new orange especially when we go all orange it really stands out it's a little like neon Mm -hmm. like it's you know we're supposed to be chicago maroon and burnt orange but like it's definitely not a burnt orange anymore and our and our maroon we've talked about many times is practically purple but but so the colors have kind of changed over time and i also do think that the tv feed was like kind of messing with it but all in all it was pretty sweet to see us out there on that stage and to get a win like that in a weekend when eight ranked teams lost and a few more ranked teams escaped notre dame oklahoma oregon iowa state uh it's it was nice to be like hey we were the team that that took out the top 10 team and wasn't even ranked.
0: Yep. I agree. It's awesome.
1: I have a couple notes before we hop into the game recap one, right after we recorded our last podcast, Caden Moore was named the starter at right guard, or at least put in the starter slot. Although Johnny Jordan did play a lot in the, at the right guard spot during the game, Nazir peoples started the game in place of Devin Hunter at the boundary safety. And that wasn't something I was really expecting at all. And Nazir wasn't expecting it either from from was commentary today.
0: <laughs> well, it's, uh, it must have been an awesome surprise, probably. Uh, but more, we we were talking about that position, um, that right guard position, who was going to be in there. So, um, you know, the, we can get into what happened on the offensive line and some of the things that we saw that were, you know, positive, a couple of things that I noticed that were, that were negative, but, um, for the most part, it, you know, stepped in, they did their job there, especially in the first half came in, pushed people around and and really set the tone for the game.
1: Definitely. The last note I had before we move on CJ McCray, the new guy from Marshall, the transfer, he was playing linebacker and working in at backer and they're moving him to defensive end. And it sounds like that's going to be his final destination, which by his size and his weight, and by the fact that we lost a bunch of defensive ends in the offseason, yeah. that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, depth there we talked about as well is going to be important. So uh, that that's huge.
1: All right, let's hop into the game recap. Try to do this quickly since there wasn't too many scores, but we went right down the field on our first drive. We got the TD run by Burmeister, and that was set up by the 33-yard reception by Blackshear and the 16-yard run by Tavion. We forced a punt and went right back to work on offense, drove 56 yards in 7 minutes and 30 seconds before the fumble by King. And Carolina comes out in the field. They're a little bit better on their second drive, but we forced another punt and once again went down the field, scoring on the pass to Mitchell. And it was a really nice throw to Trey Turner on the sideline that set up that touchdown. So we should be up 21 to nothing at this point, or at least 17, but we're up 14 to zip at the half. And the second half was more of the same dominating defense, but the offense went a little cold. Three and out for UNC to start the third. Same for us. Then we got the interception on the great play by Waller, but we went three and out again. UNC finally got the big play to Josh Downs, scored on a long TD catch. We answered with a field goal. It was a beautiful 48-yarder by Romo, actually, to make it 17-7. UNC turned the ball over on Downs on their next drive. Then both teams traded in interceptions. And we thought we had the TD on the pass to Robinson, but the officials overturned it. What were your thoughts on that touchdown? I, th- I thought it looked good at first.
0: First, I thought it was good. It, you couldn't see it from, the, I think, the first angle of where his foot came down. And afterwards, it was pretty clear. It's, you know, the heel was in, and but the front foot, I guess. We already are playing with you only have to get one foot in. I don't think yeah. we can argue that you only have to get part of one foot in. I think we're, we'd start to be reaching a little bit there, trying to trying to get the rules moved to that.
1: Yeah, do, they were starting to like parse out like, well, did his heel hit down? Is that in? Is like, all right, this is this is not going to be good for us. Insult to injury on that drive because we missed the field goal from 31 yards is kind of a bad miss, and UNC out of the field goal with six minutes left, and things got just a little interesting at the end, but. Ultimately, Hal threw his third pick of the night to Connor, and the Hokies won seventeen to ten. And it really was never that close.
0: No, it shouldn't have. And scoring wise, it should never have been that close. So, no. Um, you know, since we're doing the recap, I thought the way I put it in my mind, I think we we probably gave away uh, fourteen points uh, on that. I I I wash out the 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 thirty one yard field goal by Romo that he missed because he hit the 48 yarder. So I figure exactly. that's kind of one for one. Um the when Turner was wide open on the left-hand side of the field, I feel <laughs> on that one they were joking on the broadcast that the punter could have got it in his hands from there and <laughs> yeah. he just he just He's didn't waving and
1: running wide open, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I I think that we probably should have had 14 more points in this game that wouldn't have had Hokie fans sweating as much towards the end of that fourth quarter. And that, that made it a little bit tight. And, and people were starting to start to get a little bit jittery that Virginia Tech was going to pull a move that we've seen far too often where we have a game in hand, a critical game that um, we maybe are up against somebody that we, we shouldn't be beating, and then we kind of give it away at the end. But that, that was not the case and a testament to the defense to, to hold strong there.
1: Yeah, when Burmeister threw his interception, I I got that, you know, pit in my stomach feeling like, oh no, here we go. But to the defense's credit, I think it was the next drive, Pollard came in, got that tip right to Dax's hands, and we were right back on track, so stayed the course we got the win it was the first top 10 win for Virginia Tech since beating Ohio State in the horseshoe 2014 and the first top 10 win at home since everyone knows 2009 when we beat Miami it's been talked about a lot but it's nice to have that monkey off of our back the story of the game was definitely the defense but the game in general it begged the question were we good are we good or was UNC overrated coming into the game?
0: I think you got to split it between offense and, and defense. It's hard to, to judge it that way. So we were running the ball. All we were trying to do is drain clock. And we really didn't deviate from that plan uh, throughout the, the entire game. So it was drain the clock, run the ball, show some, throw some short stuff, And then you almost knew when the long pass was going to come. Every once in a while, we were going to take our shot. And you could kind of feel it feel it coming. So I I don't know how to judge the offense. Uh, Holston um, almost exactly verbatim did what we talked about on the podcast, what he did last year, which was able to get five, six, seven yards, gain extra yards after contact, um he really picked up a lot of first downs. I can't remember how many it was, but he picked up a fair amount of first downs. Black Shear didn't show a whole lot, but did a lot in the receiving game. I mean, that's mm-hmm. he had three catches that were were really nice. So I think he we need to figure out um whether Black Shear can really balance and and be that speeder back and speedier back than um, Holston obviously was more up the middle and just the bruising back. But Blackshear, it was really the three receptions he had for 66 yards. Mitchell, I thought played really well in this game. He had the touchdown catch where he snagged it out of nowhere. Um, I can't believe he can't, you know, pulled that ball out of thin air. There was the joke about whether it was actually even a pass to him or not. Um, Turner. Had I that, thought it was going to the guy yeah, behind him. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I thought. Um, Turner had the nice catch down the sideline. Robinson had the nice catch on the other sideline. He just stepped out of bounds uh, in the end zone. So they they played well. Overall, I thought it was was good. I mean, it was not exceptional, but I thought the offense played really well. And the offensive line in the first half played dominant. Hoffman had a couple bad mistakes. A few bad snaps again showed up. And then he had the one... There were only two penalties in this game, and he had one of them. But other than that, I thought it was a clean offensive performance where we stuck to the game plan.
1: So you're saying if the offense was solid and the defense was dominating, which it was, then it was more of us being good than UNC being overrated. Yeah,
0: I, I would say that's right.
1: And I do think it was more of that. I, I really do. And and you knew that I came in not, not particularly high on UNC. I was giving Sam Howell his props in the last podcast, and I will fully eat crow for the way we made Sam Howell look. However his offensive line didn't do him any favors and he still like went through his reads and all that kind of stuff. As French pointed out in his article, like he wasn't, he was bad, but he wasn't like that bad. I think we were actually that good. And so UNC was overrated. I said before the season, I don't think they're a top 15 team. I think they're probably a top 25 team, but not top 15. And you emphasized how many weapons they lost, and we were totally on the same page of that. They lost four NFL guys. You don't just replace four NFL guys, and it became clear in the first half of that game that they did not reload, which was great for us. So I do agree it was more about us being good than them being overrated, but they are absolutely a little overrated at the 10 slot. But to, to go back to the offense, just to round it out, Burmeister, was, he had a solid game. He executed the offense well early on, particularly. He started 7 of 8 and ran in the touchdown. But his overall numbers were not eye-popping. 169 yards, one TD, one pick, just 42 yards rushing. But his efficiency metrics, his QBR, his passer rating, they were both solid. And he had a great uh, pro football focus grade. So he did what he needed to do. And I think it might not please a lot of Hokie fans, but we're probably going to see a lot of these like between 175 and 225 passing days and between 40 yards and 60 yards rushing for him. Like he's not going to put up Baker Mayfield numbers. That's just not going to happen.
0: I think a lot of people, when you look at what he did in that game, you really have to take a step back and think about the full performance. So he had the pass to Turner, which was an absolute Dime on the money. The pass to Robinson the, on the fade right was an absolute dime. He threw another good one the next play on that fade route, which was a little bit high. Passing, I think he was solid. He protected the ball. He had the one interception um where he he was about to get hit and he held the ball too long, and that led to the interception. That was on him. And that was that was not good. But the number of plays where he scrambled and got meaningful like 15-yard mm-hmm. chunks out of nowhere. Um, needs to be looked at, and then also, he was six for six passing. I think he missed his next pass, and I think after that, I counted or I counted it up at one point in the first between the first and the second quarter, which I think is after he went six for seven. We ran the ball thirteen times in a row. Wow, thirteen times there was not a pass play in between there. So thirteen times in a row, I've never seen that, and I because I do all the stats for passing, I I almost got to I went through. In almost an entire quarter without a single pass from Virginia Tech, and we had the ball a decent amount. It was yeah, we did. And that that's going to get you cold if you're not throwing the ball and you're running it that much. It's it's tough. So, that's something
1: I didn't really consider. That's a good point. So it was the tale of two offenses. Yeah. It was the first three drives and the last eight drives. And the first three drives we had seventy yards per drive, twenty minutes of possession on three drives, and then the last eight, it was fifteen minutes of possession yeah so we just we couldn't maintain our drives later on in the game, and whether that's because the the play calling went completely in the tank conservative or we missed a few opportunities, which we did uh it was a little bit of both, but the plan to control the clock just like we talked about in last episode was working perfectly early in the game
0: yeah i would I would agree and then i think we were just trying to hold on to hold on to the w <laughs> yeah
1: and and that's that's been a criticism we've both been critical of not being aggressive enough cuz there were times a, and we made mistakes i mean the fumble and the drop I, the drop touchdown pass didn't end up mattering it's just an example of mistakes we scored a touchdown on the next play we had three fumbles in the game though yeah. and so we were kind of screwing up. We started six for six on third down, but then we went zero for our last seven. The, the last one that was pointed out to me, doesn't really count because it was a kneel down, but we went six for six and then we went zero for six. So on third down, so it, it just, that's the problem people have with corn is these long lulls. And, we, and we've been over it a million times, but I do think with what was happening in the game, with how good the defense was playing, all these things need to be taken into account.
0: Yeah. I thought the sweeps call the sweep calls for Turner and Robinson came at nice times. They were the Turner had oh, one yeah. for twelve yards. Robinson had two for twenty five yards. Um, that the, was
1: our most effective running plays the whole night.
0: Yeah, the misdirection pass I think was really nice over on the right hand side that, that nobody saw coming. So yeah, overall, it was played well. The and all the receivers that our yards after catch were like ten point five yards after catch. So the highest usually in our games we average around six, seven, eight yards. Uh, So it was well above kind of average. So it it was overall, I think, a good performance. Not great, but good. The only things I'll point out just on the
1: offensive side, just 2.95 yards per rush overall. And I know that uh, sacks get factored in, but he only had one sack. Burmeister only took one sack. So the rushing game, we had a hard time running the ball, just 296 yards overall. And for the most part, the protection was good, yeah. but that right side of the line and even Hoffman at times, like it's a little touch and go, which we
0: expected. Yep. Yeah, it, it was. And yeah, it broke down. The left-hand side was stout uh, for sure. For sure. So I, that, that'll, sh- I will say, I, I knew the offensive line was going to be good, but I was relieved when it, it looked really solid in the first half. There's still enough change there with who we've lost Um, and losing, you know, Darisaw in particular, it it still looked, I I was a little bit hesitant going in the game and I feel real assured that it's going to be good to, to getting really good towards the end of the year.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that. The no receptions for any wide receivers other than Turner and Robinson. Yep. That's, uh, just a little alarming, but we did see Caleb Smith out there and, he was blocking his butt off. Yeah. So it's not like we're not getting contributions necessarily from the other wideouts, but we it would be nice to see some receptions by by some other guys because other than Mitchell Turner and Robinson, it's it's been all running backs getting the catches. So uh but it was cool to see Caleb blocking. It was cool to see Drake Delius out there a bunch blocking his butt off. So yeah, had, we we've got a reception. good blocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did have a reception, you're right.
0: So it was for um, one yard, let's move
1: but, over yeah. to the defense before we do our, our beer break. Yeah, do you want to start
0: on the defense? I think there was the interceptions were critical. The tip ball um, from uh, Polarity, as you mentioned uh, that Dax picked up was, was huge. There was actually almost two other interceptions by our DBs that I think went unnoticed on two passes. So it almost got uglier than it actually did. But I think the where we have to start, is with Barno um, and the defensive line between him and Garbert. Uh, Kendricks was in there. It it, and Pollard, who I just mentioned, but Barno was the real monster in this game. One and a half sacks, three and a half total uh, tackles for a loss. Um and then he had the other uh, near sack where he caused uh, Sam Howell to almost crap his pants uh, over by yeah. the sideline and a forced um, fumble as well. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty incredible. And um, yeah, I'll let you hit on Barno a little bit more since that's your that's your boy. I,
1: I mean he he just lived up to all the expectations we've all had for him all summer in the very first game against the toughest quarterback he's going to face and what should have been. A pretty good offensive line he was a menace an, an absolute menace and if he does not get hurt uh, knock on wood he is going to have an all-american season like yeah. he is just going to dominate these acc offensive lines he really will uh the pass rush in general was just absolutely outstanding it was exactly what we needed in this game six sacks and four hurries as a team nine tackles for loss the three picks like you mentioned And you go down the line, they all made plays. You know, Pollard got the tip. Kendrick got the sack. And Garber and Barno made multiple plays. So it was so fun to watch. It was vintage Virginia Tech defense, vintage Virginia Tech line play. And it was refreshing as hell. Uh, We talked about Hal and how bad he struggled, but it was his worst passer rating of his career. The guy has played 26 games, 27 games. He had a 99 passer rating. He's never been below 120 in any other game. So it was an outstanding performance by the line, by the DBs, and everywhere you looked on that defense, guys were making
0: plays. I mean, Dorian, the passes that got broken up were so critical by a lot of guys that really could have changed this game and gotten some momentum behind uh, UNC in their offense you had waller with a lot of uh, breakups just really good coverage a uh, really nice one on the left hand uh sideline that he broke up um and that was his interception actually that i uh, will all, we'll all wonder about that one a little bit but he the, ripped we, it out of his hands yeah, yeah. We, well we, we snapped it quick and got the next playoff so we'll just leave it at that dorian strong had the critical deep pass breakup um yep. that was nice. um, everybody I mean Connor played uh, I thought just absolutely outstanding Tisdale towards the end of the game turned it on um he had seven tackles six solo and a tackle for a loss so it's it's hard not to run through each of these guys between linebackers and you know the defensive backs and they all came up in different parts of the game um in really critical ways and stopped what could have been some momentum it was passes over the middle it was passes on the edge down the field um, really key breakups and and just really good coverage all around.
1: The corners were fantastic, and it's evidenced by the stat from Andy Bitter. When Hal passed inside the numbers, he had a 146 passer rating. When he passed outside the numbers, he had a 10 passer rating. 10. Yeah. <laughs> the thing goes up to like 250. Yeah. So that was absolutely terrible, and it showed – Pretty much exactly what UNC is good at too. They throw to the slot, they throw to the tight ends, they keep everything right in the middle of the field. But when they tried to go outside, which they did, our corners Chapman, Waller, and Strong,
0: yeah.
1: you know, they they stifled them, man. And it is so cool to have these three corners that I feel like on a lot of ACC teams would be the number one guy. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah. and and we've and we've got them. So it's living up to my bold prediction of the best DB group since 2014 and Barno's living up to my 20 TFL. Hopefully if he stays on pace, he should, you know, get to 20 and Hey, Shear's leading us in yards per scrimmage from scrimmage. So yeah. <laughs> we're not doing too bad on the bold prediction so far
0: mm-hmm.
1: to round out the defense. We held them to 354, 354 yards, which was 300 yards better than last year. Hunter and Williams, the two guys that we got on the team, like, Back again, new for this year, I should say, with Williams. Uh Hunter only played the two snaps, mm-hmm. which uh was surprising because people's got the star. And Williams actually played the least amount of snaps of any of the defensive tackles, meaning all of our younger guys, and he's you know super senior, played more than him. Hmm. And so Pollard is our guy. He is like our number one DT. Yeah. And Kendricks looks completely different out there. Yeah. I mean,
0: he looked amazing. Yeah, I wonder. We'll see how that plays out through the year. First of all, there's no, you know, other than getting guys some time on the, you know, on the sideline to catch their breath, there's no reason to take those two out unless they they need it. Uh, But maybe he just needs more time there. There's a lot of installation that happened, I think last year that didn't really come to fruition and then happened this year. And really they had time to put in place. And I'm wondering if he just needs more time to pick up on that. Uh, And they're just not, He's just not. He's just not ready for it. Um, and it's possible.
1: I, I, when I said he played the least amount of snaps, it was like three fewer mm-hmm. than Fuga. It wasn't. It was not a lot yeah. different. But I thought it was noteworthy because I would have thought he would have played the most potentially. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, French remarked that Hamilton did a really good job of moving his personnel around to cover up some of our deficiencies. Standing up Barno with three down linemen yep. to get pressure, which we did. I thought that was pretty cool. That's something that UVA used to do quite mm-hmm. a bit when they had some of their more more dynamic playmakers, and I always thought it was kind of innovative. And Barno's the perfect guy to do that with because of his length. Yep. And then at times we moved Connor to play the Mike Linebacker position and moved Waller over to nickel. Yeah. And so that that's kind of a cool little wrinkle too when you're looking for a little bit better coverage.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it, it shows some versatility between and how good those two are to be able to switch those yep. positions and just – and and have it go that seamlessly, which is nice as for the special teams, I thought Peter Moore hammered his punts <laughs> which
1: was <laughs> really nice to see you know you're replacing a legend at Oscar Bradburn and he came in and did a really good job his first Romo punt was hit like one 51 of two. yards like <laughs> oh dude the one yeah it was an absolute bomb uh Romo missed the one field goal, but he is a young kicker so that'll happen um we want to see that cleaned up and
0: then we just missed
1: a block yeah. of a punt like the picture was just crazy looking
0: yeah just it was so close and that <laughs> that really would have been awesome to to add that in there but um and then you know that I thought the interception with Connor right to finish up was just that was just awesome and obviously the ball never should have been thrown or is attempting to throw it in out of bounds, but the fact that he got to pick that up and I think he was, he was wearing 25 for this game, wasn't he? He So it it was a nice, it was a nice cap off to the uh, game. And I was sweating bullets at that point. I was like, uh, cause I, if they scored there, UNC was going for two. There was no doubt in my mind, they were not going to play for like for overtime. So I, I really think that they were going to, I think they were, I think they were going to try and win that. So I, I was saying to my wife, she was working and then like walked in at the worst time, like right at the end. And she's like, what did you like, catch me up on what happened? I'm like, there's just too much going on. Like, I can't do that right now. And I'm just sitting there saying, if they score here somehow they're going to go for two. I know Mac Brown's going to go for two. I'm just, I'm like, this cannot happen. Let's
1: take a moment to talk about our sponsor before we get to our takeaways. Downtown crown wine and beer and dominion wine and beer are our guys, the, the best beer stores in the DMV, as we say. Downtown Crown's right in the Downtown Crown Shopping Center up in Gaithersburg, and Dominion Wine and Beer is right on West Broad Street in Falls Church. They will take care of all your Hokie game needs all season long. Incredible local beer selections. Great outdoor seating at both places. You can have a nice meal. In fact, I almost like their food more than I like their beer selection sometimes.
0: I would say, uh, I think I saw a Snapchat from. Uh, uh friend of the pod uh ned and uh joey were were there eating i think uh and having some having some food uh at uh, dominion so um i the food there's awesome it's amazing
1: yeah i actually had my buddy joey up here on on friday night he came up from dc to watch the game with me and it was we had a blast but uh downtown crown dominion make sure you hit them up this season for all your all your alcoholic beverage needs and even your non-alcoholic beverage right now Robbie, why don't you tell me what you're drinking?
0: So I am having the... I may have had this on the podcast before, but another non-alcoholic beer. um, This one is the Brooklyn Brand Special Effects uh, IPA. I think it's a little different. I've had another one on here before. Um, This one's um, out of New York, Brooklyn Brewery. It's, It's good. It's got this crazy like you're on illicit drugs can that's kind of all over the place with green and it's all goofy but it's good it's a little bit um more uh, cuz it's non-alcoholic it tastes a little bit more like the watered down IPAs that um most of them that you would see out there or taste out there so it's it's all right it has um you know kind of a basic uh, IPA flavor to it with um just not a lot of hop bite to it uh, as you'd imagine so it's all right it's nothing to write home about there's definitely better ones out there but it was in the uh, in the fridge I'd bought it um you know a month or so ago and and figure I'd bring it on to the podcast and give it a try I would I got better recommendations if you're going uh, with some non-alcoholics on there
1: Robbie has kind of been off alcohol for a little bit. You've noticed if you've been listening to the pod, he's been doing the non-alcoholics, yeah. which is really shows his commitment to how much he loves beer. That's because right. He could be drinking a Coke or a ginger ale or something, but he he's going for the non-alcoholic beers because he just enjoys beer. And yeah. this is you're talking to two guys that started a podcast that is you know essentially one third about beer. You know maybe <laughs> maybe one six depending on how we do the times. But Hokie's first, beer second. That's right. But we both <laughs> are drinkers to our detriment. Let's, yes. let's say, say that. Yeah. And I was a drinker to my detriment big time on Friday night when the Hokies were playing because I got, you know, I was first, I started out with just the Oktoberfest and some, you know, some light beer and, you know, had maybe half or an IPA or something like that. And then the bourbon came out. Oh, Once we you won, go. you know, my buddy Joey brought over a bottle of Wild Turkey 101, which, I, I love him, but like, God, like wild turkey. If you have more than just a shot of that, like you're really asking for it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's not the best bourbon. It's a hokey It's close to the hokie's heart when it comes to bourbon because it's got a turkey on the label. <laughs> But it's not that great and I drank a lot of it. So yeah. Saturday was a rough day for me.
0: Outside of having yeah, the, the turkey on it and the wild turkey, it, it there's nothing really to write home about uh, of the wild turkey. So <laughs> it's uh it's it's uh manageable is how i'd consider it from Mm a liquor standpoint mm -hmm. uh there's definitely a lot better on the next podcast i will be having um even if i just take a few sips of one for viewing the podcast it will have alcohol in it uh for for this next one so i will uh i will make sure that somebody uh somebody that's looking for an alcoholic beer gets a gets a review by me how's that
1: that sounds good man um i am drinking the main beer company thank you 2021 ipa this is my last bomber bottle from when I went up to Maine Beer Company uh, over the summer. Me and my wife took a trip up to Acadia National Park in Maine and all that kind of stuff. And this is my last one. And it's called Thank You 2021. It's a solid IPA because nothing that Maine Beer Company makes is, is bad. It's not as good as some of their more popular ones, but I am enjoying it. The thing about Maine is like a lot of their IPAs just kind of look the same in the glass. You wouldn't necessarily be able to tell which one is which when, when you're looking at them. But, um, but yeah, it's really good, and I'm sad to be done. I still have a few tree houses left. But uh, during the game, I had some local Jersey Oktoberfest, and I had the Hofbrow Oktoberfest, if you're looking for, for solid ones to get through. And I'll probably do some Oktoberfest on uh, the next couple episodes. Nice.
0: That's awesome.
1: All right, let's get into our takeaways from the game before we move on to Middle Tennessee State. I personally can't say enough about Jay Hamm and the defense. That performance was very special, and this defense has a chance to be special if they can stay healthy. I am just like trying to hold back my excitement just a little bit because there's some shades of the FSU game here. Oh, Because no. if you're uh, – <laughs> just in the reaction because if you remember after after fsu you know it was but foster reloads he he never takes a step back you know we, guys are making plays it turned out fsu wasn't very good um and that d was probably our worst in 25 years <laughs> so so i don't think that's what this is i i don't think it will ever be as quite as bad as 2018 um I think this defense could be awesome because it's it's actually got playmakers all over the field.
0: Yeah, I I I hear you on that. There's also a little bit of the concern about what looks we showed and now people can kind of prep for it and prepare for that, which week 1 is always dangerous to draw conclusions <laughs> off of for any team, uh especially when you have a really solid performance like that, what it's going to look moving forward so i think it's totally cool to reserve full judgment be excited be optimistic um but not go uh, go crazy in thinking that this is going to be elite and strike that fine balance of you know really being pumped mm-hmm. but not necessarily thinking that they're, they're going to be world beating uh defense uh the entire year
1: yeah because as good as they looked there was a little bit of like UNC ran into an absolute buzzsaw yeah. of Lane Stadium full for the first time after a pandemic and everyone just losing their minds. Like that is something that I don't think many teams out there could have survived very well, especially with the way, you know, the team was ready to play. They didn't come out flat whatsoever and you had the fans behind you and it was just a perfect storm. So, I don't think UNC is is that bad. Um and But, you know, I'm still so excited about what this defense could potentially do this year. The offense is going to have some of the same problems we've seen. We talked about in the offseason, Khalil Herbert, he covered a lot of our flaws. And although we were a few plays away from winning the game by a lot, we missed throws, we missed reads, there was a drop, there was ball security. These are all things we've seen before
0: yeah I mean, we really had a couple instances of the ball security, so we had one, the king uh, fumbled that really cost us, and then we had another one after the drop pass by turner we we fumbled the next one, the next play um and had to jump on top of it, and then before the uh, pass that Mitchell caught for the touchdown. So that reared its ugly head, some bad snaps, uh misreads, missed open receivers we had which was a little bit tough to to watch so there's there's enough there that these guys definitely need to improve on and to your point UNC had a few false starts they had a few ineligible receivers downfield a a lot of the crowd noise and the atmosphere really took a part of this game and uh, impacted UNC's offensive ability as well yeah UNC bring back all those offensive linemen
1: just because you bring guys back, and this is something Split Zone Duo talks about, doesn't mean those guys are necessarily going to be better. Yep. And they weren't great in pass pro last year, and they are not that good this year. Yep. And it also doesn't help if you're soft. Yeah, <laughs> And UNC looked soft across the line of scrimmage because we dominated.
0: Yep, I agree.
1: I'm ready to move on to Middle Tennessee State, Robbie. I'm ready to turn the page. I enjoyed that win for a good 48-72 hours afterwards. But I think now it's time to move on and, and avoid this letdown versus what should be a surefire win, yes. again, in lane. I but agree. there's not – you can never let your guard down <laughs> when you're Virginia Tech. You just can't. Middle Tennessee State, 2 p.m. I think it's on ACC Network, but it might be that ACC Network extra feed, which – I, I don't know I still don't have a grasp on
0: this I don't know how it all works so I I will be watching it somehow i I don't know <laughs> uh but I also have a, a wedding this upcoming weekend so I might have to be watching a little bit on uh some app updates but we'll we'll see uh we gotta this ACC network thing needs to get figured out and and where the <laughs> heck to watch games
1: for sure last year middle Tennessee state was three and six they finished three and four in the CUSA, or Conference USA, and they're coached by Rick Stockstill. Stockstill has been there since 2006. I think he's a top five in terms of tenured coaches in FBS. He's got a 95 and 92 record, but they've had a history of being pretty competitive when it comes to FBS football. Being one of those teams that people will pay to come to your house, they've definitely beaten those teams a few times.
0: Yeah, I think a a couple times. I think they beat... Who was it? They beat Syracuse not too long ago, an ACC team. I think they took down and then Michigan they beat, State, maybe. Yeah, and they was there, but they beat another ACC. They beat Duke um, not too long ago as well. So it's uh, they've taken down a couple of ACC teams. I think I was reading uh, as I was getting ready for this.
1: Yeah, they've definitely had a good history, but the last couple of years had losing records, and they were projected to go five and seven from Athlon this year. They got off to a good start. They played Monmouth last week, which I know Monmouth is FCS, but they were a, a ranked FCS team, a top 15 FCS team, and they beat them 50 to 15. So it was a they, they won pretty handily. But the biggest thing for Middle Tennessee State is they improved at the quarterback position by picking up Bailey Hockman from NC State, who we know from last year.
0: Yes, we are familiar with him. And in that game, so I, his stat line, he went seven for 17 for 22. He had 215 yards, three TDs, no interceptions. So he was solid in, in that performance. And yeah, it's great to see Bailey Hockman again. Yeah. Just, well, it's
1: good to see him coming to lane because he was awful in lane. last That's year.
0: right. So uh, it's just, I, it's just funny how these, these quarterbacks never go away. They just find them. You just play against them somewhere else.
1: The transfer portal has guys just like popping up all over. You're like, wait a minute, (laughs) Oregon starting the guy from BC. What? Like, is that, is that really happening? (laughs) Like, like Zeb Nolan playing for South Carolina. He was on Iowa state like in 2018. Yeah. It's a good thing. We're not
0: playing like North Dakota and have to go up against QP three. I mean, it's it's (laughs) that's crazy.
1: Uh, Bailey Hockman, although he had that terrible game in lane, He did really improve as the season went on, and he kind of finished strong for them. 138 passer rating was actually higher than Braxton Burmeister's passer rating last year. So he had technically a better year than Braxton did throwing the football. And at Middle Tennessee State, oddly enough, he has really good weapons. There's a ton of wide receivers on this this team, multiple seniors, talented younger guys and at the running back position again they've gotten into the transfer portal Petway from wvu Razul from fsu which i remember him from a couple years ago they got guys that can play mobley is was their leading rusher last year i think yeah. so they don't run the ball particularly well but they have weapons at, at the skill positions
0: yeah i think i'm more concerned with their wide res- I- Taking Virginia Tech out of the equation for a second, and just looking at them mm-hmm. as a team, I'm more concerned with their wide receivers, at least what they showed in in Week One. And they have a lot of depth there, a lot of talent, some speed. Um, with our defensive backs, if they they need to have another performance like they just did, um, and we need to cover the middle a little bit better uh, on on if they do play some some short some shorter passes and and stuff in the center, I think. The running backs—I think no running back had more than 27 yards on the ground, but on 33 total carries across 12 players. I think two of them were running back or quarterbacks last week, so it was kind of tough. Everybody—I think some of the uh, fans uh, from Middle Tennessee got to carry the ball a few times in that game as well. So it was it was tough to kind of digest and see anybody getting a a full workload. But after seeing what happened against UNC again, I don't expect them. I expect them to have some success in the pass game. I don't know that I expect them to have that much in the run game, but we'll we'll see. It'll be a good test that way.
1: Yeah, Middle Tennessee State, like their strength is their passing game with those wideouts, but that's our strength with the DBs. Yep. And we have a nice pass rush. So that's kind of strength on strength. I, I leans in our favor. And their offensive line starts three freshmen. Uh, I think one of them's like a COVID year freshman. Like they have some starters back there, but they allowed 11 tackles for loss week one. And what's weird is they only two of those were sacks. So I don't know if some of those TFL came in like garbage time or or what, because they were up by a lot on Monmouth because Monmouth turned the ball over a bunch of times. But like 11 tackles for loss. Yeah. If that if that we had nine against UNC, if they gave up 11 tackles for loss to Monmouth, yeah. like. We like, should at least get nine again, maybe ten. You know, get, like maybe more. I, it, this could be, this could be great for Garvin and Barno in this game. And honestly, hopefully, it's so great that they're out of the game by the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, uh, hopefully, Barno comes in, juices some stats for your sake, and then uh, and then we get him <laughs> on the on the sideline and and start getting in some some reserve guys. But listen, that's going to be something I'm looking out for. From now on, we talked about UNC going into that game and how many sacks they gave up last year and how much pressure was put um, on the quarterback and Sam Howell and what happened in that game. A, a ton of pressure. We, we got sacks. We got tackles for a loss. So um, teams that are giving that up are going to have a bad day. And if they seem susceptible to it, especially with, like you said, some freshmen starting and um, it could it could get ugly quickly and and it sh- as it should. Uh, that's what that's what I'm hoping. And if it falls off towards the middle of the game, hopefully it's because we got you know other guys getting reps and, and backups in there for them. On Middle Tennessee
1: State's defense, they got ten starters back, and if you look at their tacklers, they got their top ten tacklers back, and they got fifteen of their top sixteen tacklers back. So everyone's back for this defense. It's actually. It probably is one of the best defenses in Conference USA. Experience across every position. Their DBs are probably their strongest group with Blankenship and, and Great back at safety. Uh, it's just going to be a solid test for our offense. I, we should put up at least seventeen because <laughs> we were able to do that to UNC. Uh, and I think their defense will age well. UNC's will, but it's it's not going to be that easy. I, I I really think that this will be a nice challenge for, for us and not, I don't know where it will rank, but probably like the sixth or seventh best defense we face. Like, I think this could be actually a pretty stiff test.
0: And it's hard to look at last year. I was reading up on, on the team. Their secondary was really young last year uh, and who Mm -hmm. they put out there. So um, those guys have had time to mature. I think that showed a lot in, in week one, they created a bunch of turnovers against Monmouth. So um i i expect it's it's a good game if the secondary is as good as we think it is and everything's going to be relative it'll be good to see if we can really establish the run in this game and not just the holston five six yards but really we didn't break a whole lot outside of um Burmeister there weren't a lot of long or on kind of sweep plays outside of that, like traditional runs. We didn't really break off anything that had, you know, a significant yardage. So it'll be interesting to see if we can pull that together in this game.
1: I'm I'm with you. Holston was the best running back, pure running back. Blackshear has disappointed me uh, since he got to tech only in the sense that he doesn't make many people miss. He doesn't really break a lot of tackles and, he seemed like such a dynamic player, so that's something I want to see from him in this game and going forward is just make that extra move and get those extra yards that you need to turn a seven-yard gain into a first down. You know, and I think he's very capable. And he looked, I'll say, he looked better last night than he did last year. Yes, I, I know it's a very short sample size, but I liked what I saw from him and Holston. I think they have a lot of potential, and in this game, hopefully, they can get on track. More than anything else against Middle Tennessee, it's avoiding the letdown. Yeah. I mean, we have seen Tech so many times get a big emotional win and lose the next game or the game after that. Andy Bitter said since 2013, we're 3-5 and five the week after beating a top 25 team and just 2-6 and six against the next FBS opponent following the top 25 win. We do not do well with this like like uh, success, like dealing with success. We need to be better about it. And so this is all about staying focused, coming out. And I, I do like the fact it's not a nooner, it's at two. Yeah. I think actually that makes a difference.
0: Yeah, somebody said, uh, you know, hoping that JMU not coming to town next week after the win. So <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody else replied, well, it would be great for the rest of the season if that happened. But uh, yeah, definitely. We've had a tough time i feel like you you know seven years we've done you know this podcast how many times have we done this where we come off week one was a a good win this was a huge win and then we're like hey just go out there they should take care of business they should win this guy game by 35 points and it's either tight or some of those games that we've dropped that we're just out of nowhere and it's not everybody says avoid the letdown after the big win avoid the letdown every program everybody says it we've really fallen and everyone has a problem doing it it's yeah. not just us yeah and you know it's it's lip service that everybody says it but it's for real like you actually have to you know be prepared and go out there and and not look ahead i mean we got WVU coming up and big you know game. that you have a big game coming up on the road you have another home game where you feel like the atmosphere that atmosphere is going to be great, but it's not going to be that Friday night game there. You're not nope. going to have the fan base as juiced and as jazzed at two o'clock as you do on a Friday night at 6. PM when most of the kids probably cut class that day and you know, we're drinking and hanging out. So, and
1: you're playing a top 10 team. Yeah. Like you're playing, you're playing a very mediocre squad that a lot of the guys know is, you know, at best a top 90 team in FBS mm-hmm. and, has not been good the last couple years, but let me tell you something. Middle Tennessee state is probably going to put up more points on us than UNC. And it's not because they're better. It is not. It's because it's going to be different. It's going to be a different environment. And if we can hold them to 10 points or less, then good on Fuente, good on the coaching staff to keep this team motivated because that's a tall task the week after that emotional win for me. And I'd see this line at VT minus 19 and I just see it. And I'm like, as a Hokie fan over the last few years, no chance. Like there is no chance for Jane tax cover in that line. But if they do, maybe I'll start to feel differently about what this team could do this year. I already feel differently about our chances at the coastal. We talked about how binary that was If we beat UNC all of a sudden, you're looking at a fifty fifty chance to win the Coastal because Miami didn't look good. Yeah. The rest of the teams in the Coastal, we know that yeah. they're not good, and we got to win over UNC. Yeah. So like, it's it it's right now we're in the driver's seat. Yeah. But you got to show me that it wasn't just one game. Yeah. You got to show
0: me. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, we've seen. I know it's week two, and it's not week one, but we watched. Iowa State, keep it close. We watched Oregon. We watched Washington lose, which was abysmal that game. Uh you know, it is a it's still a weird season. Not a yeah, you know, we're not fully into and even in when it's a not a weird season, yeah, you know, we have struggled in these game twos where we should win and it should be kind of a cakewalk, and we keep it and we fumble and foots around and all of a sudden we're down going into the Going into halftime and everybody's looking around going, oh, no, here we go again.
1: Yeah. I do think our defense will tee off on Hockman. They'll get some plays, and they they might get an explosive play here or there. But we're going to get our pressure. We're going to get our tackles for loss. And we might not cover, but I I like, like, 35-17, 34-17, something like that. Like, we should win Comfortably should should is the key term.
0: Yeah, should <laughs> is yeah the, the operative uh, word in that phrase. I I I agree that's what should happen. I'm I, I also want to see what Keyshawn King if he comes out and runs the ball a little bit better if he's in his head about that fumble which was he was going for extra yards he kind of spun after contact and it came loose. Mm-hmm. So I want to see him come in and and get his confidence because we I think we're going to need him this year, but. What, did you see the comments on him by
1: the by Fuente no. saying like he's not in the doghouse essentially? And I was just like, "That's BS." Yeah. <laughs> it was a
0: weird play, and I don't even know. And he got he not only got stood up, but then he never was able to hit the ground because he fell on top of somebody. And those those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy and you're not down and the ball. So. But anyway... He was close to being down.
1: I, I, I do understand that yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, so yeah, if the guy wasn't underneath him, that he would have been down and we would have had a touchdown there. But in any case, avoid the letdown uh, and just come out. You you have to make your own uh, you know, excitement, energy, atmosphere here. Don't try and go into this game and rely on the fans this time. It's not going to be that way. Don't go in thinking you had a home advantage. Don't go in thinking that middle teens go in thinking this is reps for us to improve, like re- really improve in this game, not just play status quo and try and cruise through to WBU. go out and try and kick the teeth out. Ohio state. After the gay, after the game, Ryan day came out and said, I think his quote was, we're not going to stop period. He's just said in, in in any game, we're not taking our foot off the gas. We're not, we're not trying to run up the score. We're just not going to stop period. We're just going to keep going. And that's what I want to Love see. That, try, try and just come out. It's not an insult to the other team. You're just like, those are reps. Those are real-time game reps that you need to keep getting better every week. If you, you have it, keep running yep. it up. Keep scoring. Keep working on stuff. Get new players in there. Figure out what you can do. Don't just try and squeeze by this game and get to WVU.
1: I, I agree with you 100%. There's two objectives, though, going into this game. Win and stay healthy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that is it. Win yeah by one point and stay healthy and and I think we'll do that. Let's move on to these picks. You ready?
0: Let's do it. I I think we went both went 3 and for 7 last uh last week.
1: 3 for 7? Yeah. It the week one all the weeks are hard, but week one is particularly difficult and I botched that Clemson pick. I did not expect George's defense to look like that. And I and I know Clemson's defense looked awesome, but I was way off on thinking clemson's offensive line would be improved they they were missing their center yeah. to be fair but like jesus christ
0: <laughs> <laughs> their offensive line is a struggle bus right now they need to do mm-hmm. if they're really competing for a, you know winning in the playoff they need to do something there
1: but it, it's really it's not fair to judge it against that georgia front i, I mean good god did they That's four and five stars at every position yeah. it, it's yeah. it's and they've Developed them and now they're old enough and like it's it is it's like it's six nuts, different
0: man. guys had sacks in that game or something. It was <laughs> nuts.
1: All right, we got some good games in the ACC. Should I say Power Five games that are interesting? <laughs> and then we got some good games outside the conference. Illinois at UVA. This is just interesting because of Bert going out and beating Scott Frost and then turning it on its head and losing to the UTSA last week.
0: I got to go with UVA here. Uh, Burt really showed it in week one uh, against Frost, but Nebraska's in a bad way right now. So I don't even know what to take from that game. And UTSA just, you know, it made them look embarrassing. So UVA at home better be able to cover 10 against this team, but we'll see. Per, yeah, per, the
1: line is 10. I, I failed to mention that. UVA, I'm taking them as well. Illinois could be bad, and that means that Nebraska could be real bad. <laughs> That's right. Pitt at Tennessee. This is kind of a funny matchup. Tennessee, three-and-a-half-point dogs. They played Bowling Green last week and didn't look good against what could be the worst team in FBS.
0: I'll wait for Tennessee to show it to me. It's been so many years since they've really they've been consistent or good or anything, and I'm going to go with Pitt and – Their defense is going to be good again. And I know it's at Tennessee, but I'm going to take Pitt in a game, kind of let them make a rock fight out of this and and just kind of beat up on them. We'll see. I think Tennessee is bad. Here's what I'm rooting for.
1: I'm rooting for Tennessee to be so bad that Hendon Hooker comes in the game and actually throws a few TD passes and beats Pitt. But I'm going to take Pitt against the spread to cover because I think Tennessee is just that bad. (laughs) ruckers
0: at syracuse man this is
1: this is a dog of a game <laughs> uh, yeah this
0: is and it's in the carrier dome not that i'm not even sure Where rudger rutgers play what is it uh
1: the ruckers plays in piscataway new jersey, new jersey but this one is up in uh yeah. up in syracuse no, i was yeah. gonna
0: say i don't think it's good either where either place that you play so you know, no. whoever's home game is it doesn't really matter so uh
1: northeast football baby yeah. <laughs> jersey versus new york uh syracuse Two and a half point underdogs because,
0: let's face it, Shiano he's got it going a little bit. That's right. Um, he he de- well we knew he was going to get it going. He he's the only person that's been able to do it. Been able to recruit at Rutgers has them has them moving there. I gotta go. I gotta go. I know Syracuse just won, but I gotta go with Rutgers here. I I know it's in that vaunted Carrier Dome that causes everybody nightmares, but maybe. Who knows what's gonna happen? But I'm gonna go with Rutgers here. I'm actually
1: gonna go with Syracuse, and and there it's twofold. One, the line's only two and a half, and I would have thought it would have been bigger. And two, Syracuse beat Ohio last week. The Bobcats. Yeah. They didn't just beat them; they beat them twenty-nine to nine. And Ohio, like, they were supposed to be one of the better MAC teams. Yeah. So maybe Dino has the juice going because I know they were hit hard by COVID last year up in Syracuse. They had a lot of people leave the roster and whatnot. I'm going to go Q's plus two and a half. Appalachian state at Miami, Miami coming off the Alabama game at home, eight point favorites against Appalachian state.
0: I feel like Miami's going to, I, Appalachian state is a very good program. Really, really good. But I think Miami's going to have something to prove here and try and and after just getting bludgeoned by Alabama, I haven't even looked to see how many injuries Miami might have after that game. <laughs> there might be quite a few. So I might be on the bad yeah. bad side of this, but I'm going to go with hopefully hopefully for their sake, let's put it that way, they they bounce back.
1: I mean, get, who scheduled App State after Alabama I don't know that is a mistake yeah that is that is not smart you schedule Austin P or somebody after Alabama I don't Uh, know what you're thinking there I'm with you because this one coming off Bama App State being a decent team uh, I would have thought the line might actually be smaller it it is kind of small at eight Um, I'm gonna take App State that's what my gut told me because I mean, even Derek King's knee like got all twisted up in that game. And and he came back in and he played, but God did they get beat up. And I know their their defensive end depth is taking a hit too for Miami. I'm gonna take App State to cover the eight. Uh-huh. NC State at Mississippi State. This is a weird this is another <laughs> weird matchup. Um two redneck fan bases just going at it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and Mike
0: Leach involved
1: <laughs> and Mike Leach who escaped against Louisiana tech last That's week. That's right. That's right. Um, Mississippi state
0: getting points at home. What do you think? I got NC state in this game. I'm assuming they think that Mississippi state is going to just, it's Mike Leach is going to do Mike Leach things, but uh, uh, NC state's pretty good. I think that they're going to be good this year. So I'm going to go with NC state. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's tough to see. Who knows what the hell is the leech is going to bring out? Yeah, there?
1: this is this is a very hard one to predict. But I too am going with NC State. I think they're going to be good this year. Washington at Michigan. This lost some luster because of Washington's lost to Montana, and Michigan lost one of their best players on offense. However, still a big out of conference game. Michigan one and a half point favorites in the Big House.
0: That line is so weird after just seeing how abysmal Washington just was on, yeah. on offense yeah and Michigan is always going to have a decent defense in my mind their offense is always suspect but they usually have players on the defense and with that offense as bad as it is in Washington right now um, I'm going to go Michigan in this game and they look they look good in week one I know is against a terrible opponent but they look like they they got their stuff together a little bit
1: Yeah, I do not like this line whatsoever, but I'm with you. I'm taking Michigan. Utah at BYU, this is the Holy War. BYU lost a ton from last year, and that's why they are seven-point underdogs. That's a lot for a rivalry game. I don't want to go first, but you just went first. So I'll take Utah, but I don't feel good about it.
0: I don't feel good. I feel good about Utah. I don't feel good just because it's a rivalry game. That's it. It's the Mm -hmm. Holy War, and this game always gets funky. They come out and they obviously play each other tough. So, but I think Utah's just a lot better this year. They were a sleeper for not even a sleeper for a lot of people to win the, the PAC 12 uh, this year. And I think they'll deliver on, on that. Although UCLA looks really good after that LSU win, but I have Utah. Charlie Brewer is the
1: quarterback for Utah. Our four, yeah. the brother of our former quarterback. And he's, and he's good. I mean,
0: he's really good. So um.
1: Yeah, I know. He's a good player. Oregon at Ohio State. This was the one everyone is eyeing up in the preseason. Oregon played really close to Fresno, although I do think Fresno is a solid team, and Oregon could have been looking ahead a little bit. Ohio State, 10-point favorites at home. I'm sure uh, your wife will be keyed into this one.
0: Yeah, she was um, She was ch- checking in. It looks like uh, KV on. I don't even want to try and pronounce um Thibodeau, isn't it? Uh, I think I have his name right. Thibodeau, yep. Yeah, um, he sprained his left ankle. Don't know. He got like rolled up in the game. I don't know. They if think he's gonna, he's play. gonna play. Yeah, I think. I think it looks like he's gonna he's gonna be good to go. If he is, I, I ten, ten points is a lot, which makes it tough. Um, but it's at Ohio State. It's in the shoe, and that offense is just. I think it was. Um, Chip Patterson keeps saying it on uh, the Cover 3 podcast where he, he just says, this is all I'm saying this year. Ohio State gets off the bus, they score at least 40 points. Like, they get off the <laughs> – b- immediately. <laughs> they get off the bus, score 40 points. That's, like, his, his joke. And he was talking about the game uh, this past week, and he was like, they got off the bus, scored 40 points. No problem. He's like, so I'm taking Ohio State That's uh, here. Uh, I have to. I'm taking Oregon. And I think the best
1: thing that happened to them – was getting the crap scared out of them by Fresno state yeah. and they survived. And I, I don't like Anthony Brown being their quarterback. I don't like that. He's not, he's not bad though. He's just average. Yeah. So yeah, I want a little bit more, but I think Ohio state, like their defense has some issues. Yeah. Like there, there's some issues there. Mm-hmm. And, I'll I'll just take a word and cover those points. We'll see what happens. I hope it's a close game. I want it to be a good game. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. And then the last game we're going to pick is El Asico. The, Everybody's the favorite Iowa, El Asico. It, that's right. And it's a good one this year. we got two ranked teams, Iowa at Iowa State. Iowa State, I would say heavy favorites at four and a
0: half at home. That seems like too many in this round. <sighs> So there's a lot happening in this game. It's at Iowa State. This has gotta be the highest rank that these two teams have been playing each other in a while, is my guess. Mm-hmm. Usually when Iowa State is a newcomer and Iowa has been some years they're really good and some years it's just kind of normal Kirk fans uh years. So you got that going for you. Uh um, Iowa State just got scared in the last week. Um, to your point, whether they're gonna—that's gonna Northern sh- Iowa. I know. Yeah, only
1: lost by six.
0: Yeah, people said that Northern Iowa only plays to scare two teams every year: Iowa and Iowa State. That's their only job. <laughs> so uh, I was—I'm struggled, and I keep changing. Just Iowa or Iowa State. I just write State at the back. I'm gonna go with Iowa to cover. I think they might win this game. On talent, if Iowa State did not have the scare last week, I would definitely be picking Iowa. Um, but I'm going to go with them to if they lose. I think it'll be close by like three or something along those lines. But I've struggled back and forth on this one. What I mean, these games
1: are always close. There have been years when the line is one and a half, and then a team wins by one. Yeah, I mean <laughs> these games are always close. However. With the way Iowa State looked last week, struggling, and then Iowa crushing a ranked team in Indiana, and then this line comes out and it's Iowa State minus four and a half, Vegas is begging me, begging me to take Iowa, yeah. absolutely begging me. So I'm taking Iowa State, <laughs> and that's that's how I'm looking at this one. I could be dead wrong, and I like typically I think the smart thing to do is take Iowa in this game every year, but I. I don't know. I'm going to go with state this year.
0: I uh, if Iowa wins this game, they are playing Ohio state for the big 10 championship. I'm, well, Oh I'm, yeah. I'm certain yeah. of it. There's uh, that's, and they could be, they could be really good. I yeah. mean, they really could be.
1: All right. That is going to do it for picks. Great weekend of games coming up. Our game could be better. Could be worse. But if you're a Hokie fan, all you're trying to do is make sure we stay healthy and win the game so we can play WVU and, in what will be, you know, not the best matchup in the world, but we don't get to play that rivalry too much, so I'm I'm very excited about it. West Virginia could have done us a
0: favor and beaten Maryland last week, but I'll tell you, Tua's brother, he is good, man. Yeah, and yeah, that was a must-win game for both teams, and Maryland got the best of them, so uh, it was close. Any you know, WV turned the ball over too much, yeah, and um, yeah, it. They could have done, they if they won that game, we would have had different outlook for next week in terms of the matchup. So it took a little bit of luster off of it, but we're heading to Morgantown, and we all know what happens in Morgantown. They're going to be ready for us.
1: They're definitely going to be ready for us, but that's not what's on the slate this week.
0: You can hit us
1: on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to email us any questions or concerns you have. 2dvt.com is the website robbie has updated our beers and picks and next week he will be updating our stats once we get a few weeks of stats and uh yeah i guess that's it make sure to subscribe on itunes apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it these days and spotify we're on everywhere you can find your podcast you'll find us and rate us and review us on apple Podcasts if you could we do have a lot of reviews on there and we've gotten some really nice ones from you guys and they're always much appreciated but that's going to do it until next time when we hopefully are celebrating a big win over mtsu and previewing you on west virginia go Hokies